Okay, as usual, quiet in the studio. Don't be unprofessional. And do not talk about the curry that you had last night when I say, fire in the hole. Well, good evening there. This is Jonathan Starkey, a.k.a. Abfab, your absolutely fabulous digital pub landlord of that wonderful pub called Cheshire Matters. And we have our usual lineup of panelists this evening. They, we have Trevor Nichols, a.k.a. The Gazelle. Say hello, sir. You all right, love, from up north? Oh, you all right, love. <laughs> and that wonderful man that always comes through with the facts. And he's a fact checker. His name is Mark Hartley, a.k.a. Statsman. Say hello, Mark. Say now then, gentlemen. Just the one now then. Just the one. Just the no, one. A bit risky doing more than one, isn't it? And we have that bird brain, that man... Who actually thinks he's a raven. Mr. Stephen Ingram, a.k.a. The Raven. Get back to the bloody tower. Go on, get lost. Say he's hello. Again. Did you hear that lengthy introduction again? All about himself. Oh, I love me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, and fine salutations to you all. There you go. Well, that was a wonderful bunch of hellos and stuff like that. How are you, gentlemen? Well, I'm fine, but Mark is looking a bit uh, panic-stricken there. Why would that be? I don't know. He looks rather scary at the moment. <laughs> His eyes are going wide. Okay, well, listen. He's going to just take a quick break, and we're going to move on because we have the gazelle who's got an announcement to make. Go ahead, gazelle. Hi, I just want to make a, um, a quick statement tonight, if I may. Go ahead. Now, I think you and our listeners, uh, they know how close this is to my heart. And my thoughts go out to all my friends and the beautiful people of Rhodes and all the Greek islands during this sad time of wildfires. Uh, I've been in touch with a couple of friends today, and they're all safe. They're all okay. Anyway, I just want to add to this that the, the, the hijacking of this horrible situation by whoever again, I don't know who it is, the BBC stated days ago that 20,000 Brits flee roads. Massive, massive comment, that. Yet, if you follow, as I do, on alternative media, the truth is around 2,000 Brits. The repatriation flights are half empty. The media reporting today, if you listen very, very carefully, is that hundreds are landing back at the UK airports. So it, it's not what it seems. The whole agenda by the BBC is to set subconscious commands into your psyche. They've been going about climate change, climate change, climate change, climate, the programming you. They don't tell you about the beautiful Greek people that are taking struggling tourists into their homes. They're feeding them. They're making them feel like they're one of the family. Well, they're because very community-minded in that respect. You are quite that, right. That is what they do. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Now, I really don't know why people watch the BBC. It needs to be boycotted, and it needs to go. It's outdated, and it's ruled by the government's agenda. We need to get rid of it. Defund the BBC. Hashtag defund the BBC. Defund and the BBC. I would have... 
totally agree with that. So many different people would defend them and just say, well, look at all the good program they do. Good programs, I should say. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, there's just too much rubbish now. Too much rubbish. You got it's any not com- the rubbish. I mean, you can't counteract. You can't counteract with good programs the bad reporting. I'm on about the BBC News. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We really, really need to stop this agenda that they're running. They did it with COVID. Yeah. They just, it's massively exaggerated. And if you, there's there's lots and lots of different media out there. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go to different media and let's get rid of this out-of-date BBC. Okay, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to agree with Trevor. And uh, first of all, I echo his, his thoughts with the people uh, uh, in Rhodes and the other islands and, and where these problems are occurring. So fully uh, understand what Trevor's saying and in, in respect of that and agree. Now... In regards to the BBC, um, I don't think it's just the BBC. I think the media is... The mainstream media you're talking mainstream about. Mainstream media, that's the phrase, correct. Mainstream yes. media yes. is very much manipulated and controlled and a narrative, a general narrative of of state, a state narrative, is perpetrated towards the people to control the information and influence. And that's actually what we're going to be talking a little bit about later on in terms of uh, some of the wider subjects that we're going to touch on this evening. So it's very yeah. interesting that Trevor brought that yeah, up because yeah. it's going to be linked in later on, I'm sure. Yeah, I've yeah. no doubt, I've no doubt. Stats, welcome back. We knew you had to take a quick break. Trevor has just given a small uh, piece on Greece on what was going on, and it moved on to the BBC not quite doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of their delivery of public service. And well, that it's is a shock. <laughs> I am stunned. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. Well, let's move on to the roundup. And the first story that's out, Andrew Neil calls what's happened with Kootzbank and Farage a form of McCarthyism. Now, I do think that there is something to that because McCarthyism was a dreadful and sinister and deceitful type of thing when it came in in America. And this is even worse because it's now in plain view. She is now, she apologized. And then Nat West said they're going to stand by her. She's admitted that she was the source for the information for Simon Jacks at the BBC. And even Simon Jacks has actually, he's apologized as well. So the fact is, it's damage limitation all around because they know that there is a massive problem. And now Farage has actually opened that up. It makes everybody in the country think, what the hell is going on? Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, a couple, couple of very quick points. First of all, I think um, these apologies, as we've discussed in the past, from public figures, public establishments, and public-private big organisations, they actually mean nothing, to be quite honest with you. Let's face it. They're just words. They're empty words. People don't take them seriously. They mean nothing. It's just a, an attempt very fickle attempt to brush the issue sideways. But the other issue, this this McCarthyism, I think, um, I mean, we had a, a conversation which I don't, uh, a couple of days ago, which I don't really want to go into now on here. But I think this McCarthyism that you're referring to is much wider spread in this country, that um, if anybody has certain political views or uh, a questioning mindset or 
challenges anything that is wrong, shall we say, um, is is ostracised. And I think that culture is be, becoming much more widespread in this country. And I think further protections, I mean, we have certain protections, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's these things that hate speech that we've all talked about and discrimination, all kinds of discrimination laws to protect certain demographics. But where is the protection for people who have political views that don't necessarily fit the national narrative. Well, this is the big thing that's come up. And can I pass you on to Trevor there for a second, please? Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, I just want to bring this up. I've not heard of this fella for years. Why is he getting involved in this? He's Paul McCartney. He's done nothing for years. Yeah. I was going to say that too. <laughs> no, no, not Paul McCartney. McCarthyism. Hey, I thought you were being serious and said that he's actually <laughs> got involved in the Coots Barrage thing. It was a like serious that, look it. on your face as I'm looking at the screen. You say, Jude, stop it. Come on, landlord, get a grip. You're not spotting what the. the I was the, looking the, the at his face. Slipping in there. I was looking at his face and it looked too serious. And I'm thinking, what the hell is he. Does he ever, ever, ever look serious? Yes, I'm telling mm. you. Okay, well, all right, if he's going to be funny, I'm going to be funny. How about these stories? <laughs> a man is praised for his petty revenge on driver who parked across two spaces outside a gym. No, you're listening to this. Uh, he was praised on Reddit. What he did was he saw this car parked across two spaces. So what he did was he went back and he decided to leave a note on the 4x4's bonnet with a coloring book. So the driver could practice staying inside the lines. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> nice one, nice one. Oh, that was, I, I just thought that was great. And how about this one, following on with the trend? An IT boss who moaned about staff hurling rubber chickens loses <laughs> dismissal case, or dismal cases, they're saying. Uh, you know, she was claiming sex discrimination under an unfair dismissal. And it was because she was complaining about a laddish workforce culture where the members of the staff in the department she managed used the chicken's toy blasters to fire foam pellets at each other in the office. So it's Nerf guns as well. I mean, <laughs> I think that, that that's exactly what we would be doing if we were working in an office, only it wouldn't just be Nerf pellets going. Oh, no, it wouldn't be plastic guns, though. No. I'm only joking, by the way. Joke, 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 in case everybody's serious is listening out there. And how about the housewife who repeatedly called her husband and his friends as they watched football together, demanding to know when he would be home? She has been convicted of harassment. <laughs> what? Oh, Genius what? that, isn't it? That Genius. is just... I, 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 we need to know, <laughs> every husband in the country needs to know how they did it because if they're going to be woke and the women are going to be woke with us, we may as well go woke ourselves and get our own back. <laughs> no, on the, Go on, Mark. Does that mean now he's just got no time to be home ever again and she can't ask? <laughs> that is genius. <laughs> I just thought, that. oh my word. I mean, how funny is that? You know, it's probably cheaper than a divorce. I'm telling you, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, what about Disney going woke and losing money when that other film is mm. uh, yes. powering away? Yes. Yeah? I think and it's all about the content, isn't it? And yeah. 
good Disney's is dog water. So, well, that's it. I mean, they wasted so much money on these things. Uh, you know, these films. You know, like a, good. a Black Mermaid. <laughs> I hope they keep. I hope they keep doing it. I hope they make as many woke films as you can until they disappear. Well, this was Be a one... race between them and the BBC, <laughs> won't it? This and is... Budweiser. Yeah. Oh mm. gosh, gosh, this is what, and I, I. I hesitate before I read it out, but it is so funny. It turned around and said, Snow White being black is the same as Hitler being a Jew. (laughs) 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 Makes sense. Question, question mark, question mark. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I just got a lot of these funny things come through this week. One of the best ones, somebody's got to read that Richard Littlejohn article which was on the 24th of July in the Daily Mail. That guy is so funny. All aboard the good ship migrant. (laughs) (laughs) I would wish anybody to actually have a read of what he's saying in there because it is so funny. And it's so true. The things that he's saying about what's going on are just so true. For example, he said, Club Med or Colditz. <laughs> I hope he doesn't mind me uh, reading these, these things out, but you pay your money and takes your choice. On Saturday, the male's Sam Greenhill gave us a guided tour of the luxury liner kitted out to accommodate 500 male asylum seekers in Portland Harbour, Dorset. And menu options on there include potato soup and Irish stew, presumably for the benefit of those who've come to Britain via Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than France. And are complaining pork. And are claiming, pork on the menu, John. And are claiming to be fleeing the potato famine. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I hope there's plenty of pork on the menu. Uh, <laughs> he's he's not, it starts he's off in his own little world. He's, 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 off, he's off in They've installed European electrical sockets so that the vulnerable migrants, many of whom have crossed the channel illegally, can charge up their mobile phones and call home, perhaps to all those unfortunate women and children they've left behind in some far-flung hellhole. You mean the real vulnerable people, yeah? Oh, God. (laughs) There are a lot of serious stories, but it was funny. I loved the way this guy did his take on it. And it was just lovely. So if anybody's out there, have a read of it. 24th. Go ahead, Trevor. Yeah, I saw something the other day which was very, very uh, appropriate, actually. What they were going to do is more one of these uh, new barges, what they've got, at the side of the Houses of Parliament in the River Thames. Oh, that would be good. And, and, yeah, all the MPs, instead of getting second houses and hotels, can actually live on the barge. I think I said that the other week. Stick all them on there. Yeah, stick them there's on no, there. There's no use of them. Serve no, no purpose. Bye-bye. Put, put them on the badge, mm-hmm. and then, you know, instead of them claiming all the expenses, and let's see how much we can cut on that. Yeah, I think that's a cracking idea, that. <laughs> One last part from this. Let's just hope the inmates don't form a Coldit-style escape committee. If they try tunneling their way out, they'll quickly start shipping water and the entire flotel will sink like Portland stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Ending the, ending the roundup on a happy note. There you go. So, we're going to move well, on. That's a happy note. <laughs> oh, it is a happy note. I, that's a happy... Well, you know, if they're going to bore their way out, yeah, they'll be happy. Mm-hmm. 
So, we are going to move on to the national this evening. And as part of our series on preserving our identity, plug the series, plug the series. This is all written by the editor, by the way, if, you're, if you want to know this. We touched on how the Frankfurt School's ideology was the driver behind the attacks on our culture. But who were they and what were their aims? Do you want to go with that stats first? Open it up. Do you want me to, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I've introduced you, so you may as well. Well, I suppose I'll have to then. Do I have to send a colouring book to you as well? Take the hint. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Pretty good at colouring. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'll stay in the lines. All right, well, I'll give a quick summary. So the Institute for Social Research, or the Frankfurt School, as, as we know them, was founded by a guy called Felix Aville, and it was a group of so-called Marxist intellectuals. Now, they moved from Frankfurt University in the 20s to Columbia University in America in the 30s. So these so-called philosophers and social theorists, I think we're going to have to stop calling them that, you know. I don't think they're intellectual, and I don't think they're... But anyway, they wanted to re-examine the foundations of Marxism with the aim of revitalizing it. Yeah. Now, they wanted all the different strands to come together to create the perfect Marxism. Well, this is what they all do, isn't it? They all think they can they can do it properly. And they wanted to critique and change the pathological society as a whole. So this became known as critical theory. So they called it studies in philosophy and social science rather than Marxism, because Marxism was renowned for being a total failure, wasn't it? And their research, sadly, was adopted by universities all over the world. And the result is this cultural Marxism nonsense we experience on a yeah. daily basis. In fact, every aspect of our lives now, it seems to encompass this nonsense. In a nutshell, it's basically political correctness and multiculturalism. And woke. They, and woke. Yeah, well, this is what we call it now. They came up with the oppressor against the oppressed. But they've done it now for many different identities. And to be honest, I think this destroys our our common culture yeah you know in the west america and britain we have a common culture common board oh he's gone he snapped up he'll probably come on any minute again there you go so i bet you that was planned by you raven you wanted to mute him i have nothing to do with it i'm perfectly innocent well where's everybody gone well we'll let one's gone all together one's gone running off this is his ladder (laughs) What's going on? Well, okay, let's continue with what he was saying there. That the Frankfurt School was a bunch of basically social scientists who were trying to work out a lot of different things, which was Marxist in its basis. And they spread, and Mark was right, they spread throughout the world, these theories, to all sorts of universities and things of that nature. So uh, other educational establishments. Go ahead, Steve. Mark used the phrase there, which I've been using for about two years periodically on this show, which is cultural Marxism. Now, it's not just the Frankfurt School, which I'm fully aware of, and I've been for about 20 years. Now, there is another organisation which is also quite similar, which is called the Tavistock Institute. The Tavistock Institute um, has been responsible for perpetrating propaganda towards the public to influence thinking and direct it more towards socialist, so Marxist leanings. Now, we talked there about, uh, you know, the, the Frankfurt School, but also the Tavistock Institute, but there is also the other one, which is 
pretty much largely unknown about unless you're very well informed with what's going on in the country. Yeah. And it's called common purpose. And people in public life, in business, all the social uh, uh, public organisations, health, education, government, big business, police, all sorts of people have been on common purpose courses, which are all predominantly believed to be very far left or even Marxist in, in their thinking. And they go on leadership training courses. So we've got Common Purpose. We've got the Tavistock Institute doing likewise as the Frankfurt School. And um, this is now widespread. The, the, the key ethos of these organisations, like the Frankfurt School, heavily left-wing, very far left-wing, yeah. is to undermine the very foundations, as we've discussed many times on this show, by perpetrating cultural Marxism to influence the public thinking in very subtle ways and nudge the thinking towards their end goal. Now, one of their goals is to completely undermine the very... Tr uh, when we say the family units, we're referring to the traditional family unit. Well, they're and encouraging the breakdown of the family, aren't they? Well, Absolutely, and through other ways as well, through undermining the church, influencing the church, and the influencing and infiltrating all the very key establishments upon which this country is founded upon, such yeah. as the church and family, Christendom, traditional values, and everything else. Trevor, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, these are just updates, Steve, aren't they? So you've got the um, the Frankfurt School Plan, you've got Tavistock, and now we're into um, Common Purpose. It's just basically an update of, of the whole system. Now, are we actually going to go through these point by point? Because I think Steve was covering quite a bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of it. Well, we can start off. Uh, I'm going to bring Mark in just to let him finish what he wanted to say before. Uh, Mark, I did try to finish off what you were saying. So, um, you know, if you want to actually finish that off, I shall try and edit it together. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but I just got switched off. Wow. Well, you know what it's like to be cancelled. We think it was the mm. Raven. Nothing to do with me. I'm not in charge of the buttons. It's you, landlord. Mark, put a complaint into Bob. <laughs> that was the whole, it was the whole laptop. Jump. Uh, where was I up to? Because I can't really remember. What, uh, he doesn't know his own name lately. Oh, well, okay. Let's move on then. Let's go to the creation of racism offences. There's the first one. Now we can all see that. That's going on right now. Yeah, that's that's that, that's number one in the list, isn't it? So yeah, you've yeah. got basically you've got Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that come, comes under that category. Uh, interracial advertising on TV. How many times have we mentioned this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody wait, would wait. think that every marriage in the country, every family is interracial. Yeah, well, it's not. No, it isn't. It isn't. End of. That's number one. And have you got number two there, Mister? Continual change. Continual change to create confusion. Well, we have that within government, don't we? It seems like they're all complicit in doing these things to try and shift your attention from one to another. I think, Mark, you mentioned that. It was like a sort of a, in one of the past podcasts, a deflection to actually yeah, look slip. over there and they're over here. Yeah. Constantly, yeah. 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 That's right. The teaching of sex and homosexuality to children. It's just rife at the minute, isn't it? I mean, you've got an example this week where the kid come home with the homework. It's in the Daily Mail if you want to go through it. And yeah. The kid was 10 and the parents aren't happy and I've been having it myself. Yeah. Mm. Stevie? I think this is one of the most dangerous things to undermine uh, the mental well-being of children. 
the traditional family unit in this country yeah. and the very thing that holds this country together, namely family. Now, I don't care what anybody says. If anybody's offended by what I'm about to say, I really don't care. Well, there was a Christian father, just to support you in what you're going to say, there was That's a Christian father who removed his daughter from school over sex ed lessons. That's exactly what I was going to bring to the fore, Jonathan, which yep. is the very fact that the guy, at one point, I think I understand, was told uh, he didn't have any right to withdraw his child from the class and they weren't even taken into consideration initially no. his views as a Christian. Now, we've mentioned this a number of times on this show, that Christians in this country are now being crushed in every aspect of life. I have to say this again, I really do. I think it's appalling what young children are being subjected to in schools at very, very young ages. It is utter disgusting filth. It is the sexualization of the nation's children. I said this in a public debate yeah. back in 2012 in the elections. I received huge round of applause at that particular debate for saying that. And that's exactly what's taking place. The nation's education policy is responsible for putting children at risk, affecting their mental health, and sexualizing the nation's children. It is disgusting. Well, I'm going to move on with Trevor. Go ahead, Trev. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to keep repeating this throughout this issue. How many times have we mentioned this on the podcast? Indeed. We're massively ahead. Ahead of, of the, the curve, curve yeah. on this. Yeah. We are. Well, that's me. The emptying of churches and the increase of Islam within the country, all being encouraged. I mean, they seem to be able to do anything and everything that they want. Put anybody out Christian on the streets and they get arrested for whatever reason. And there seems to be an excuse. And it seems to be a concerted effort to try and break down all the traditional values and culture within the country. And even to the point where our legal system is biased against victims of crime. How many times have we seen these these illegal migrants let off? Yeah, I mean you've jumped out of you've jumped out of sync there, Mr. Landlord. Yeah, okay. Well, you you want to go back to the drinking? Yeah, no. I mean, if we go back to the we've just passed the teaching of the section yeah, um, yeah. sex and homosexuality children. Well, I was moving things on. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry, I do apologise, but I, I think we really need to cover this. Okay, fully go ahead. Points. Go ahead. I do, yeah, because you know, with the undermining of school and teachers' authorities, which takes us back to what you've just mentioned there, the Muslim um, community. Yeah, that they they will not tolerate this sexual. Oh, uh, they teaching. won't. They won't. And what's happening? The, the actual undermining of schools and teachers in that respect means that these teachers are actually hiding. They've yeah. gone into hiding, as in that Muslim school in Yorkshire. Yes, you're right. You know, and that that in itself is the undermining of schools. And also the teachers being stabbed. We never had that when we no. were in school. No. It was the other way around. The teachers threw the, the board dusters at us. Of course he did. Uh. And he, he never did us any. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know. What do you think of, I mean, do you agree about the legal system being biased? Completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think there's no justice in this country at all. This is true, this. A few months back, I had a guy who I forced to openly admit that uh, he had a criminal past, 
right? Because yep. he was yep. questioning my integrity, and I thought, I'm not having this. So I just put a question out there. Turns out he'd been in prison for, I think, about 17 years. And described me, said individual, as an evil man, right? So I'm being described. My integrity was being brought into question. I've never been in prison. No. And yet somebody being in prison for 17 years describes me as an evil man. That's how insidiously ridiculous and back to front our society is. That's the manipulation that goes on. And the last one that I want to do, and I want to finish off this, is control and dumbing down of media, and especially the lamestream media. Mark, you got any comments on this? They're just liars, aren't they? That's what happens. That's my comments. I've got proof the liars, because they've even admitted to me, the BBC, that the liars, but they won't apologise publicly or even do it properly privately. Well, Same with Farage. It was a lame effort of an apology, that, wasn't it? Of course. Oh, yeah. It doesn't was, mean anything. It and was they just want to damage limitation. There, and they just want to put their, their twist on the stories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why we need alternative media, to put the record straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree. Trevor? Yeah, the dummy down in the media, well, as I've mentioned earlier on, BBC, Mark says many a time, BBC, end of, that's the dummy down in the media. Yep. Now, there's a de de dependency on state benefits where they're trialling this uh, universal credit at the moment. Oh, universal basic income. Yeah. The basic, Sorry, the basic income, yeah. They're already doing it. This, These full 11-point plans, it's running in this country. It's running at the moment. How many one-parent families have we got at the moment? Oh, for yeah. various reasons, you know, for various Quite a high reasons, percentage. A very, very high percentage. This 11-point plan is running out at the moment. And how many times, again, how many times have we said, I've never said it, but you have in particular, the fake conservatives. They're not conservatives, they're no. socialists. Well, they're starting to come out with certain things now, saying that inflation is coming down and... No, no. Uh, well, this is what they say, and that basically we're moving up the ladder in terms of GDP by, I think it is, 0.4%. Mm. And some of the banks are starting to drop their mortgage rates now. I think the cheapest one at the moment is HSBC, who are giving out fixed rates of 6.04%. All right, and I'll give way to Steve, and then, Steve, you can give way to Mark. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I know you've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there. What we're talking about here is certain things affecting our identity and the very essence of us as a country. The fact of the matter is we were talking about this specific subject, I think, four or five weeks ago or thereabouts, uh -huh. and also in relation to that, now it says – on our little list here that Mark's put together. We've been talking about all of these in various formats yeah, yeah. for quite some time. Now, it says here, encouraging the breakdown of the family. I'm going to insert a word there, which is traditional, the traditional family unit. Yeah, yeah. Now, any Christian who goes, and I've seen this taking place, by the way, where what some people refer to as fundamental Christians on the streets of Chester, and they express their particular beliefs in terms of the traditional view mm -hmm. of the family, the traditional view of Christ, uh, Christianity, etc., etc. They get pilloried. They absolutely get pilloried on the streets of this country for saying that and expressing their beliefs. And is, the, is this country not supposed to be a tolerant country? But we've now reached the point where the people who believe in the very fundamental echelons of what this country is and 
how we are as a nation and who express that are now pilloried for doing so. Now, we've lost the way in this country. All of these points that we're talking about, pro- promotion of excessive drinking, state dependency, the breaking down of the churches and the traditional family unit, these, all of this isn't by chance. This is all by design. This has been going on for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. The Tavistock Institute have been operating for over 80 years in this country. Our entire system is riddled with these cultural Marxists. Somebody has got to be funding these people. Somebody's got to be well, funding them. And I'm, well, going, I'm going to ask you to yield to Mark. It's big financiers. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Steve's right, this has been going on, well, about 100 years now, actually. It was the early 20s. I think before I got cut off, I'd just explained who they were, and then I was going to move into some more of this. I think I was up to the bit, which kind of agrees with Steve, that they came up with this, oppressed, the oppressor against the oppressed. Yeah. It used, it used with, with Marx, it was private property in the free market, but they, it, they progressed it to um, the role of management hierarchies at the firm level, which we're seeing massively now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And mi- microeconomic interventions at state level in Western societies. So this is what they were aiming for. They were aiming to change it. So it was the second and third generations who progressed this in the Marxist, in the uh, Frankfurt School. And this is what, how we now have queer studies, Afro-American studies, women's studies, gender ideology, critical race theory, all this total nonsense. Why have we got this now? Because people like Obama and lots of world leaders and universities around the world all adopted this. Obama, Hillary Clinton, they all studied it. But what made it so venomous? It was Sol Alinsky. He tried to simplify all this theoretical nonsense because if you read any of these people's books, it's just total garbage. But he translated it into a war-type mindset. Andrew Breitbart actually explained this, explains this really well. Basically, he makes take on your opponents and destroy them. And this is what we're seeing in America with the conservatives and Trump. That's why it's so poisonous. Yeah, yeah. And the cancel culture, it's totally alien to our culture. Yeah, totally. totally alien. As I was saying, I think this is what I was saying before we got cut off. We have a common culture and a common border and a common mindset. The Marxists didn't like that. No. At all. And for 100 years now, and this is the result. Do you notice Marxism, communism always ends in total failure? Always. Who tries to rebrand it? These so-called intellectual. We're going to have to stop calling them that because this is a joke. Sorry, go on, Steve. Yeah, I just want to uh, add on here, which is the way these people have slowly progressed through influencing and infiltrating all aspects of Western society. At every level. At every level over the past 100 years. Now, don't forget, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That is their end goal. They will in- implement policies right through governments, national down to local, in all Western countries, where they will effectively seek to take property off everybody and everybody will sort of do rent. their best and get their little They will bit. rent from the state. That's what the plan is. Yep. That's it. They will rent from the state. And as far as I'm concerned, that isn't going to happen. The fight back. You can, you can either sit back and you can be called a racist and then just sit down and do nothing. Or you can fight back and save your country and still be called a racist by these people. They're outnumbered. I'll go for option B, even though we're all not racists on here, Correct. Jonathan. None of us are racists. And all those different things, they try to do, uh, to do and say certain things. And what Mark is saying is, is that the basis of everything is happening today actually derives from the Frankfurt School. 
Okay. Predominantly, Simple yes, along with uh, some other in institutions that have followed suit. It's been very cleverly done. I mean, if you look at Common Purpose as an example, yeah. Yeah. it's promoted as a charity, a leadership charity to improve leadership at local level. It isn't. It's much more than that. Um, you know, it's, it's very dangerous. Our society, our very fundamental uh, structure of our society has constantly been broken down now for over half a century, particularly mm -hmm. the past 50 years, and it's got to stop. Yeah, We've yeah. got to start getting back to this word traditional okay. in many ways. Trevor, go ahead. Yeah, but what a glimmer of light we've had on this conversation tonight between the four of us, right? That mm -hmm. as Mark stated, it's a fact. You're never going to get away with it. Yeah. Socialism fails. Yeah. It never works. Right? Yeah. So what's going to happen? It will be reversed. Yeah, because socialism and especially Marxism, it never works because you always run out of somebody else's money. Exactly. That's the whole thing about it. And so as far as I'm so concerned, the, the light at the end of this tunnel is that it's going to reverse. It will turn around because it, it does not work. It fails. Yeah, it fails. It fails. Right. Okay. Right. Well, we're going to finish that one off and we're going to go on to the local. And the local is being handled by moi. How about that? My French is coming out quite well. Bonsoir, mesdames and messieurs. What do you want Ooh, to say? It's going to be lovely to hear your voice instead of the Ravens. Mr. Landlord, absolutely oh, brilliant. He's trying oh, to... fabulous. So, how to keep in and keep yourself from being switched off. A perfect example of creepy creepiness. Now, Landlord, I just need to point something out. I might even get a bit of a bit of a you know an acknowledgement here. And I might not even get cut off tonight. And before I say taisez vous. Right. Have you seen we're gonna talk about this local, but before we do, have you seen the FOI have submitted to Quack today. Yes. Well, we'll cover that a little bit uh, later when you've had your, your your update. Well, I want to actually turn around to you and say to you, well, okay, everybody knows and they realise that I communicated on our behalf with Councillor Gittings asking about members' allowances scheme. And it was innocent questions. Yeah. Genuine questions. She didn't respond. So then we sent a reminder quite a few weeks later and she didn't respond to that so I made a complaint to the monitoring officer and I received a communication back from them initially which was wanting to take the communications into secure communications through something called egress and I said no and then I received a response from Vanessa Whiting, who is the monitoring officer. And basically what she said was that Councillor Gittens has no complaint to answer to. And the way that councillors actually respond to their communications and what they do as a councillor is up to the individual councillor themselves. What? <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Well, they're not accountable. Not accountable. Basically, she said in her communication that it is up to councillors how they address their residents and how responsible they are. Now, the questions that I asked Louise Gittens was simply to point me in the right direction so that we could actually cover it on the podcast. 
So um, before I yield to um, the gazelle, let me just say that I sent an email back to Vanessa Whiting, thanking her for her email, and I called it a very interesting email. And to me, it's thought-provoking because we're getting it from the horse's mouth, which is the monitoring officer for Cheshire West and Chester. And every council has a monitoring officer. And so what are the Nolan principles all about? What is the councillor's code of conduct all about? If they don't hold them. And I'm going to yield to the gazelle first, and then we'll go to you, Steve. Go ahead, gazelle. Right, so let me, let me just get this clear in my mind. Yep. You've complained about the leader of the council. Right. Now, you've been told by the, the authority of the council that a councillor has a choice in the way that they conduct their order. Or even if they respond. Right. So, basically, I've just lost my notes. What it is, they can get elected. They're elected by whoever, you know, obviously the constituents. They then have a choice of just taking those expenses continually for the four years, which is thirty-five to forty thousand pounds, they have a choice to sit back and do nothing, and they have a choice to not reply to any question put forward to them. They have that choice, according to the monitoring officer. They're not breaking according any to the monitor code. Officer. Okay, give way to the raven. Go ahead, rave. Rav, rav, rav. Well, it's actually quite interesting to say that at least, Jonathan, as you say on this, because, first of all, the admittance that they can seemingly do what they want and they're not accountable, they don't have to answer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, no relation to the Nolan principles and no relation to the Code of Conduct, which well, both refer to um, transparency. Both. Well, the next question is... On that basis, why do we need a monitoring officer? <laughs> well, Seriously. if you wanted to go the whole hog, why do we need councillors? We don't need well, ca- They're another layer of a local government that we just don't need. Trevor said it was, they have the right then to literally not respond to anybody, but that's not what's happening, is it? Let's, let's get to the nitty-gritty. They're not responding to certain people for certain reasons. And Correct. what I say to them, at least have the decency and the honesty and the bravery to come out and say why. Come out and say it. Come and say who you don't want to communicate with and why. I dare you, but you won't, will you? Because you're well, scared. here's something before we... Uh, before, uh, have you finished your point, Mark? I think I probably got that point across, don't indeed, you? Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Now, remember now, we were asking questions about the members' allowances scheme and the increases... And I put it in a very, very nice way, polite. I said, we observe with interest item seven on the members' allowances scheme at the meeting on the 18th of the 5th, 23, and have the following questions, which is hoped you can answer with your usual candor. Now, she's been answering us before. Now, what I did do before I give way to the gazelle is I invited Vanessa onto the programme and to ask her to explain her position. And I've also said that if she wants to bring a, you know, a friend or a colleague onto the program as well, no problem. 
bring them on and let them come on and debate it. And I said, there's no hostility here. I said, just pure debate. We have questions. And now she's raised further questions with what she's done. Now, what Vanessa doesn't realize is, is that if she cannot stand her ground in a debate with us on the program, then obviously her position is weakened in what she's saying. Because how are we supposed to believe what she's saying if she cannot explain it and why her position is such to say that a councillor can just do or say what they want? I'm going to yield to the gazelle. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, now this has just sparked another fire within my belly. <laughs> right? Are you going to put it out with some more beer, sir? I certainly am, yes. I'm not drinking any thinners, so we're all right. Yes. <laughs> now, what we need to do is take this above the council. Let's take it to the government. Because th- we've got this in writing. Yeah, yeah. We've approached them. You've got the emails. They're the replies. And now it's got to go higher. Because you can't go any higher than than we are at the minute with the council level, and they're just saying, look, the council can do what they want. We've got to make this, we've got to make this national. We've yeah. got to we've got to highlight this. We've got to take it above our our podcast. We've got to take it to the government and just say, what the heck is going on? Oh, yeah. Your MP doesn't even get to ignore you. She does. She does it all the time. <laughs> no, no, in reality... In reality, an MP does not get to ignore a communication, especially one that is official and goes through to their office. They have to respond. Go ahead, Steve. I'm going to bring in something here because I'm in full agreement that this situation should be taken as far and as big as is needed. And I'm going to say it for the following reasons. We simply asked some questions to do with councillors' allowances and a second rise in six months and wanted some explanation and justification for this, given the times that we're living in. But also, we wanted to know who it was that voted in favour of the the increase in councillors' analysis. That's right. Now, that's a little bit of semantics about the original issue, but the point is this. There is a failure to engage and act within communications towards us. Now, that could be anybody else. It could be the public at large. Now, here is the point. This is very serious. This is why... This matter of councillors, elected officials, people leading the council should not have the right to fail to engage. We've seen in councils up and down the land fail to do anything in relation to the protection of young girls. So I'm going to hypothesise a little bit here with something very serious. Let's just say, for instance that the communication you put in on behalf of us on this show or any other member of the, pub, of the public was to put a communication into Cheshire Western Chester Council raising issues on such matters such as women's safety, serious sexual assaults, concern in social services, vulnerable children, or anything like that. The question is... Would they ignore things? Now, the question is, if councils or councillors, the leader of an organisation is prepared to ignore one issue, naturally, the next question is, what else do they choose to ignore? 
because they should not have the right to refuse to engage on that basis. Well, the, the main thing that you've got to pick up from this, which is the fundamental point, and this is Farage-like, where he raised an issue with the banks. Now, if, for example, Cheshire West are deplatforming us for whatever reason, and they don't want to engage, well, then we actually have to respond to that. And they know quite well what we're capable of. And that's the main reason. I'm not expecting Vanessa Whiting to come on. Unless, of course, you know, she really does believe her position. Well, it was a thinks, legitimate offer on your point. Yeah, on and, your part. and if she doesn't come on, as I said before, it weakens their position. Now, the question is, why did Councillor Kittens feel that she couldn't respond to those questions about the members' allowances scheme? And as you've said, what if it's something else? In other areas, it's a fundamental point. And if they're not going to respond to polite communications, then we don't always have to be polite about these things. We can just move things on because we're all politically astute and we all know how to use different parts of the services at every level within the government. So I'm going to turn around and I'm just going to say, we're going to leave it at that. Let's see if we get a response back from Vanessa. And I hope that she does come on. I mean, she'll be treated with, with courtesy, completely. And she, if she can debate her position and prove to us that the councillors can just not respond to anybody as they wish, well, then that's fine. And I'm calling time on that. So unless you've got a very quick point to make about that, I want your shout-outs and shout-downs. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I have actually, Jonathan, very quick. It's this. Societies in history have shown that when government or local authorities have demonstrated an ideological thinking that they can ostracize an individual or a group of individuals, it's usually been on the basis of rather distasteful ways of thinking. And it's appalling that people in Cheshire Western Chester Council can actually be ostracized by the council leader and councillors. It's appalling. What I'm saying is, give them a chance to explain their position. If they refuse, and they don't give subsequent reasoning for that refusal, if they just completely ignore it, well then, what happens? It happens. It's as simple as that. Now, shout-outs and shout-downs. Let's move it on. We've got some good things, got some bad things. What is it? Give us something funny. Let's uh, let's get into the uh, the humorous side of things. Jesus, you do look like Eric Morecambe when you're looking like that, Trevor. <laughs> Go ahead, Trevor. What's yours? Hey, actually, I've got uh, I've got a shout out and a shout down. Oh right. So my shout out, obviously, it's going to be to the beautiful people of Greece. Yeah. And I pray for an end to your troubles. It's yep. as simple as that. I mean, just, uh, yep. God bless them. Yeah. Right now, my shout down. We had the Open Golf at Royal Liverpool this weekend. Oh yes. And. Again, it's close, very close to my heart. And on the first hole, we had, hello, here we are at the first tee, and away we go. This is a fabulous day, and the sun has got his hat on. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Royal 
Liverpool. What happened to Calm down, calm down, <laughs> get in the hole, go, Mackey lad. And that is Royal. <laughs> some of you don't know, he's Rory McElroy. Rory McElroy, yeah. Yeah, now, give it a head, lad. So that's proper commentary. So I'm not quite sure that's a shout down. We need a good Scouse commentary. Indeed. At the Royal Liverpool. That's what it deserves. Gear, lad. Get him in. He's doing grace. Get in. I love it. Get in there. Get in. Arise. Arise. Okay, Mark, go ahead. Well, I'm going to shout down my laptop for the kickoff. <laughs> what about what about Microsoft and Bill Gates? Shout him down as well. Why not? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was. His oh, fault I don't on think it's anything to do with them. It's your tic tac toe uh, internet from North Korea. Shut up, you. you. That's it. After the other week. That's it. Mute it. You can't mean saying oh, that. I'm no. going to do it. A... He nearly got through without getting muted. Nearly, <laughs> 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 He tried. So I'm going to do a shout out. To all the communities, actually, who are protesting against, what was it, number five on the uh, Frank Fert Schools list. Oh, yeah. Mass immigration to destroy identity. It's not just in Ireland now. We've got communities in our country now who are standing up to this. Yeah. It might only be 10 or 15 people on a field with some signs. Oh, no, there was a load of them just, in Clinetley. Oh, I know. But then I was going to say, and then it can be whole neighbourhoods coming out and blocking where the migrants are going to be staying. So, good on them. Well... Uh, and hopefully this will snowball and we'll get somewhere eventually. Wouldn't it be if that big barge in Portland, somebody went down and and cut the ropes. <laughs> it's done floating off back to France. Mm. <laughs> never, um, never, never. Okay, Trevor, you've had your say. What do you want to say now? I was just very quickly, because Mark sparked it again there. I was uh, going down to the motorway today uh, in Warrington, where I live, uh-huh. and I had, what, uh, 17, 20 migrants all walking down towards the town centre. They weren't actually walking. They weren't in taxis. Okay. From the new inn, the, the the new one that they filled called the new inn, right at the end of Manchester Road, and they're all walking down into town centre. I went out, did my job in Nutsford, came back, and they were all walking back with uh, waterproof folders. Mm-hmm. They all had folders. So they'd been down to Warrington Town Centre, I, I can only imagine. Job and, centre. Uh, yeah, probably the job centre, and been given all these folders with all paperwork in. All right, okay. Uh, you know, good. All right, okay. Would right. I take one of them on? No. Well, mine's a shout out, and it's to my lovely daughter Millicent, who graduated with honours in microbiology from the University of Liverpool, and we went down and we watched her traipse across the centre of the stage, doff their cap to the vice chancellor, and. We were shouting, we were shouting and screaming out and stuff like that. We were very, very pleased as a father. But there you go. Here, here, here. Well done, Miller. Well done, Miller. Well done, Miller. Yep, yep, yep. And brilliant. You know what time it is? Oh well, just hang on a minute. What's going on here? Oh, he's been, he's yeah, been I'm trying to cut way. you out. He's been. I wasn't. Tr- I wasn't doing hours. anything other than cut you out. Go I ahead. Don't care. I don't care. I'm not having this. Tell you how you Hurry up. Sort yourself out. I don't care if you've got an, an arm and a sling there. You'll have another one in the arm and a sling if you carry on. Sort yourself out. <laughs> All right, man. Get yourself over here then. Come on. Don't talk about it. Get over here. Get in my, get in my face. Come on. Go on. Right. Well, mine, to be quite honest with you, there is uh, a shout down to Cheshire West and Chester Council because I don't think they realise 
the significance and the seriousness of ignoring yes. the public. It is completely unacceptable. Given the problems that people face in our society and given the fact that there may be vulnerable people needing help, to have anybody, especially a council leader, ignoring communications is wholeheartedly unacceptable. And if it continues, we will give the chance, like you say, quite rightly, for people to remedy the situation. Otherwise, we shall start to make it more publicly known and basically start to force people out of their positions. Because I think that's the right thing to do, to be yeah, quite yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. I really do. But they double down. They double down. And the problem is, like, for example, the woman from uh, NatWest, the top lady there, they'll double down and they'll just say, you know, we've got complete faith in it. And they'll try and push it through and they'll keep going on. And they'll keep on going on and they'll keep on going on. And then it'll be, you know, yesterday's news. And they've moved on and they've got away with it. No accountability. That's what it is. Okay, and I'm finishing now. Right, okay. Raven, say goodnight now. No, I'm not doing this goodnight business. I've had this conversation over and over and over. I'm not doing it again. I'm going to say goodbye. All right, okay. Well, that's good. We got him out of the way first. <laughs> so. I'm still here. I'm still here. Actually, oh, mute him. Mute him. Okay, Gazelle, go ahead. Say goodnight. Bye, Raven. Bye. <laughs> it's, uh, it's terrible. He'll see you in an hour. He'll be knocking on your front door. Statsman, go ahead. So cheerio, listeners. It's been a pleasure. And uh, goodbye to you guys, too. It is. For all three of our listeners. Well, no, all four of our listeners. Who was it called? Yeah. Me. Yeah, oh. that's that's it, listening. <laughs> yeah, so bye. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to say, thank God all that is over. Gosh. With all the technical things that were coming up tonight. Hmm. Isn't it good that it's all finished? Mm. It's, a, it's a strain getting through it. <laughs> That's a strain for us listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've just, I think I'm in trouble. I locked the lane out again. Tonight, that's where I go downstairs. <laughs> oh, Repeat offender. Yeah. <laughs> Locked it out. She banged on the door downstairs trying to get in. <laughs> she, she might get you. She might get you prosecuted. Hey, I've got to tell you this. Listen to this. She sat in bed last night reading a book, and I went in there. And I got in bed, and I said, "Well, book you reading." Like, you'll have to wait there.